We talk SoCal versus NoCal on this edition of Locked on LA Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked On LA Kings, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. On today's episode of Locked On LA Kings, we welcome JD Young from Locked On Sharks to discuss the Kings Sharks rivalry, as well as what's going on with our hockey rivals in the Bay Area. My name is Eddie Garcia. I'm your host of Locked On LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for almost 30 years. The past 20 plus years, I've been at the Fox Sports Radio Network, where I'm a co host, sidekick, reporter, and NHL analyst. Also co-host of the Puck Podcast, a weekly NHL recap show that's been putting out content for the past 16 years. And of course, more importantly to you, a passionate LA Kings fan for the past 30 years. We continue our rival report as we count down to the new season by welcoming in the host of Locked On Sharks. He is J.D. Young. He is a contributor to Fear the Fin and San Jose Hockey Now. And I absolutely want to get his thoughts on the Sharks-Kings rivalry what's been going on with the Sharks this offseason and his outlook for San Jose for the upcoming year. But J.D., welcome and thank you for joining us on Locked on LA Kings. How's it going, man? Uh, long time no see. Yeah, we, may we, have, just re- <laughs> we may have just chatted, but you know, yes. now, now the shoe is on the other foot. Now I get to talk to you about, uh, about your team. But I, I do want to start, uh, and I did have an episode recently asking Kings fans, uh, and I was stupid enough to ask two questions that I thought were the same question. Uh, but I asked, who's the Kings' biggest rival and what team do you love to hate the most? Now, for me, it's the Anaheim Ducks is the answer to both questions. I was a little bit surprised to see a lot of people prefer uh, the Sharks as the Kings' biggest rival. Certainly, there's a history in the postseason that there isn't there with Anaheim. Uh, and, and a lot of them were the, the team they love to hate the most is the Vegas Golden Knights. And everyone's kind of uh, dancing on the grave a little bit right now. But let me ask you personally, and as someone who's representing uh, Sharks Nation, if you will, uh, who do you think the Sharks' biggest rival is? And, and who's the team in the Pacific that you kind of love to hate? Right now, I mean, I guess Cap Friendly would be the Sharks' biggest rival. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have to give it a slight nod to, the, to Vegas because I think it's still a fresher rivalry. I know the Sharks... Kings rivalry is a much deeper rivalry. You know, we have, of course, the famous Thornton slide. You've got, you know, there's, you've got, you know, of course, the reverse sweep, uh, which I don't like to talk about. It hurts my feelings. Um, but I think, though, with the the up and coming King or the up and coming Golden Knights and just how quickly that rivalry just kind of came together with, with the Sharks and stuff. And then you also have a lot of kind of moments in such a short time right you you of course have the sharks coming back from the 3-1 capped off with the you know four goals in five minutes the joe pavelski you know dying for our sins you know barkley goodrow scoring the overtime winner um you of course you had pete tabor and Gerard gallant talking smack the whole time and then everything that's kind of come after that you know of course the the knights have kind of had the sharks number until you know, last season when Thomas Bordalo, you know, the Night Slayer comes in as, you know, a rookie, you know, in his, his first eight games and, and you know, ends the, the Vegas Gold Knights season last year before the, so they don't make the playoffs. But um, I'm giving it slightly, slightly, slightly to a uh, nod to the Golden Knights. But I think the Sharks-Kings rivalry will be uh, starting to heat up here again soon, especially now that the Kings are kind of coming back to the promised land and the Sharks are 
doing shark things right now. So I know we have some similar ties to central California, uh, but I, I wonder if you um, play into the whole no Cal, so Cal kind of rivalry. Um, you know, if you're looking at like the best rivalries in the state, I think you have to go Dodgers, Giants, and baseball. Yes. Uh, Rams 49ers, it, it has its moments, but it was, you know, with that weird thing with obviously the Rams leaving California and now they're coming back and it's kind of coming back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But other than, I mean, Warriors, Lakers, I don't think is a thing. Certainly not like it is. is. I think it's, I think it is, it is now. Okay. Yeah. I think the Warriors, Lakers thing is now, uh, especially because you have the Curry, LeBron, you know, argument of who's the best player of the generation. And of course, it's curry was the correct answer uh <laughs> but you know you 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 have that right now um especially with them both winning titles recently even though you can put an asterisk on somebody's uh socal title there in a bubble um but you know i i, I would go with that number two um just because you know especially with how good those teams have been you know have been as as of late um rams niners I think that one's going to get continue to get spicy. I think we we're seeing the beginning of that one right now, especially with like the Niners takeover down, you know, of of this, you know, um, SoFi Stadium. But with the the Rams winning the Super Bowl, you know, you've had the Niners in the Super Bowl recently. Both those teams are kind of Super Bowl caliber teams this year. I think that one's going to kind of you're going to see more and more spice to that one. So, and then again, I think, but I think a big thing with the rivalry is both the teams have to be good. I think to make it a rivalry, and right now the Sharks and the Kings are kind of ships passing the night where you know the sharks were really good while the kings were starting to rebuild and now the sharks are retooling which we'll get into in a little bit but the kings are starting to kind of come up and i, I think that might where we're going to see the kings start to dominate the pacific and the sharks are kind of still figuring things out here well talking about san jose sharks and, and retooling they have a new man in charge which they haven't had in a very long time doug wilson yes. had a long long tenure there very successful his name is going up into the rafters uh, this season uh, and Mike Greer uh, is the new general manager of the San Jose Sharks. Uh, I love the hire, uh, but boy, the timing of it certainly was curious. I mean, he didn't have much time to uh, hit the ground running when you had the draft and free agency, and he had to hire a new coach in the process. They didn't do him any favors in giving him his first GM job, did they? No, it was, I mean, they they talked about they wanted to get the right person and, and you know, all that stuff. And you know, apparently the, the first list was 50 candidates and then the 25 and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, trying to make sure that they got the right person. And I understand, you know, wanting to get the right person. But at some point, it's like we got to kind of make a decision here. And then, you know, and I think a big kind of sticking point was, you know, uh, Bob Bugner was still the head coach until July 1st. And then they did let him go. And then they hire Mike Greer July 5th. Um so you wonder if they were kind of if that might have been a sticking point for all the general managers that they were hiring was like, well, I want to hire my own guy, which makes sense, right? You want to hire if you're a general manager, you kind of want to pick the groceries, right? And sure. who's going to be your chef and all that 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 stuff. But and I, Bob Bugner, if he had stayed, he was basically going to be a lame, you know, a, a lame duck coach where he'd already kind of been there for a couple of years. He hadn't really done much with, with the team, and there was you know the Sharks definitely not a talented roster, but I don't know why it took so long, especially it's not like Mike Greer was, you know, doing like he was a GM for another team or something like that. I know he was working with the Rangers and stuff, but like, it's not like he was off doing kind of general manager or coaching stuff for other teams that that were in the playoffs or, you know, making long playoff run stretches. So I don't know why it took so long, 
Um, it made it really interesting, you know, having in a three week span of a coach gets fired, a general manager gets fired, you get uh, hired, you have a uh, draft free agency and then a coaching uh, hire all in three weeks was a, was a really fun time for me. Um, just because it's a <laughs> lot of content, content, lots of content, a lot of content, but uh, yeah, I, it was a little peculiar with how long the search came through and, and you know, they were very, very thorough and that they said that they wanted to be very thorough and, and make sure you pick the right guy. Well, I did want to uh, talk about the the coaching hire, David Quinn, who had some time with the Rangers. You know, his short tenure there was okay. Um, where was he kind of on the list? Was there other names that you were more interested in as a Sharks fan? And your just your thoughts on the hiring of of him? I, does, does he have a really? I mean, that he and Mike Greer both went to BU. I don't know if he actually coached Mike Greer or not, or if they just had a relationship because of they the had a relationship. But yeah, they they were. Um, I don't think they were teammates, but they were kind of there together and they've, they've kind of worked together and known each other for a long time. And, you know, once Mike Greer was hired, that was kind of like, Oh, I guess he's just going to hire David Quinn type of situation. Um, I'm personally okay with it. It's, it's fine. Um, I would have preferred that they had gone another route, like uh, Ryan Warsawski, who they did hire as their, as their defensive coach. Um, he was the AHL uh, coach for the um, Chicago Wolves. You know, they just won the Calder Cup there. I, especially with the Sharks, where they have a lot of kind of young and up and coming players, I wanted someone who kind of worked with those players a bit more and who knows how to how to, you know, coach younger players. And I know David Quinney, he's you know college coach and he has worked his way up through the ranks and stuff. And you see a lot of times when, when guys on their second you know tour as a coach, they do usually do a lot better, but. I don't know there, there's a lot of rumor, you know, kind of talk about how he played young guys with the Rangers and, you know, their minutes and stuff like that. And I'm a little hesitant on him, but I do like the staff he hired, especially at this time of year when it was kind of picking over the bare bones of, of who was available. Um, the, he hired Scott Gordon, who was a, the Flyers AHL uh, coach, Ryan Warsowski, who I mentioned already. And then, um, uh, Tim, I think it's Tim Spear. Uh, he was the Calgary uh, AHL goalie coach. So a lot of coaches who have that AHL coaching experience and coaching younger players, um, to, especially with the Sharks, but they're going to have a lot of these younger players starting to infiltrate um, or, you know, onto the NHL roster. So David Quinn, meh, but his coaching staff, I'm, I like. <laughs> uh, I did want to ask you, obviously, about a obvious connection between the Kings and the Sharks, and that is Todd McClellan. Um former San Jose Sharks head coach, very successful in San Jose, went off to Edmonton, didn't do so well, and now he's uh, back in the Pacific Division, or well, continuing in the Pacific Division uh, with the LA Kings. A couple of, you know, okay years to start. We know the Kings were in a rebuild, but then the big jump uh, last season, um, and uh, a lot of people are excited about, you know, what he's able to do with this team. Just your thoughts on him as a head coach and and your, I guess, confidence level that he is a guy who could uh, as far as his coaching ability, put, win a Stanley Cup at some point. I know he did it as an assistant in Detroit, but as a head coach. Yeah, I, I love McClellan. I mean, you could argue he's probably the most successful, if not one of the most successful, two successful coaches for the in Sharks history. You know, during that time, I mean, I know he never, there was a lot of playoff failure that you can kind of shift the blame around to, to different people during that time. But I mean, those Sharks teams, especially those regular season Sharks teams, they were flat out dominant at times uh, when he was the head coach. And, you know, I, I liked his system, especially coming from Detroit where he brought that kind of more up paced, uh, faster offense. And, you know, to the Sharks who 
kind of struggled to score goals and, and kind of figure things out. But then, you know, he, you saw, you know, like Patrick Marlowe had played really well. You saw the rise of like Joe Pavelski, Logan Tour when he was younger, you know, a lot of these guys starting to kind of figure themselves out under McClellan. And yeah, I, like I said, I, I think he's probably the best, the best head coach in Sharks history. And I think the Kings got a, a hell of a coach down there. Well, uh, before we get any further, uh, I do want to mention that uh, today's Locked on LA Kings is brought to you by Built Bar, specifically the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff Built Bar. It's a real cookie dough crunch covered in 100% real chocolate, and uh, it is actually good for you, even though it sounds like it wouldn't be good for you. It's made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Why not eat something that tastes great and is good for you? Go to Built.com and get a box for yourself, whether you need a snack or a treat or just something to get you going. Built is the perfect protein bar that tastes great and it's better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15. Again, we're talking with uh, J.D. Young of Locked on Sharks. And, uh, well, as as you well know, uh, the Sharks are are in a bit of a – well, are they in a bit of a rebuild? I guess that is kind of the question. Uh you know, you look at Chicago, you look at Arizona, teams that clearly are are looking to rebuild. And then you've got teams like the Sharks, maybe Philadelphia, where are they in a rebuild? It doesn't seem <laughs> like they're fully in on that. But what what is your thoughts on, are the Sharks invested in the rebuild or are they still kind of thinking they can compete maybe? I They're in the, I think we can compete maybe. Uh, at least that's what the front office says, right? And Mike Greer, he, he, he did mention you know, in his opening press conference. Sometimes you have to take a step back to take two steps forward, which is kind of the first time we'd heard that from the Sharks. And, you know, up until the very end with Doug Wilson, it was, we want to win, we want to win, we can want to make the playoffs, and, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And I think he's giving, Mike Greer, he's giving this season a kind of, okay, let's see what this team has. And, you know, they made a lot of moves in free agency to kind of solidify their bottom six and, and just bring NHL caliber talent onto the roster. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> um, I think this is, they're going to kind of go into the season thinking they're going to win, but I just, I don't see the upside on this team. There's not a lot of players where you're like, okay, I can see this guy making, you know, a jump from being here to here. And it's just a lot of guys where you know exactly what you're getting from. And I think they're going to be like, I, I, I think they're going to be one of the five worst teams in NHL. They're not uh, Chicago burn it down bad or Arizona burn it down bad. But I just, I don't think there's, a lot of top end talent. I think there's just a lot of solid guys, you know, how to do their jobs and you can win with that, but I just think the margin of error is so small with them. And especially in what's going to be a much better Pacific division. I, I just, I don't see where you kind of like compare rosters and go like, Oh yeah, they're much better than this team. Or, oh yeah. They're much better than this team. So I think they're going to kind of go into the season, think they're going to win. Things are going to fall apart. They're probably going to be sellers at the trade deadline. And then we might see them kind of, except the rebuild that they should have started probably three years ago. You know, if, if you follow the Pacific division, uh, you know, you know that the uh, Anaheim Ducks have some good young talent. Obviously Trevor Zegers, a very exciting player. Mason McTavish is tearing it up at the world juniors right now. The Kings have a lot of young prospects uh, that have gotten a lot of attention. Uh, where is San Jose kind of fit in uh, as far as like the three California teams is what are some of the younger talent that they uh, are looking to, to, to be the bright spots for the future? Well, of course, I mean, William Eklund, who uh, uh, he's such a delight. Uh, <laughs> William Eklund, uh, he made the team out of the, you know, out of 
the out of training camp last season. They let him play nine games and they sent him back to Sweden. Um, but he is kind of their guy. He's their blue chip talent guy right now. And I think William Eklund's going to be a very special player. They just don't have a lot of other kind of blue chip talent players. Uh, Thomas Bordolo, you know, was a second round pick last year or a couple of years ago in the 2020 draft. Uh, he played well in his small time last year, but you know, I think with the roster, I don't think he's actually going to make the NHL team coming out of training camp, but I think he's going to be one of those kind of Christmas time call-ups and he never looks back type of guys. And, you know, they have a lot of intriguing guys in their 2020 draft class. who can be playing on the Barracuda this year. Um, Brandon Coe, who I uh, just interviewed, uh, he's go check out that interview, a little plug there. Um, you have Tristan Robbins, Daniel Gushin, who's an absolute sniper. Um, Ozzy Weisbot, who's their first round pick. But a lot of these guys are kind of projected as middle six guys. They don't really have, other than Eklund, like these top, top uh, kind of blue chip talents. So, you know, especially what's supposed to be an insane 2023 draft class, um, I, I think the best step for them would be to take that step back, try to get one of these blue, blue chip talent, you know, top five picks and what's going to be a, a really crazy draft class to, to pair with Eklund and be like, okay, here's our new franchise cornerstones for the next 10, 15 years. I know you still have Logan Couture there, but we've seen in the recent times, obviously Patrick Marlowe finally hanging up, Joe Pavelski moving on. Um, and, you know, Brent Burns uh, finally is is gone as well. I know that it's difficult to see players like that leave your organization. Uh, overall, is it a good feeling that he's going somewhere to end his career and, you know, playing some meaningful games? Or how how is that uh, as, as a fan of the team? Yeah, I mean, the, the fan of me is going to miss watching Brent Burns starfish on the ice, uh, you know, once a game. But, I mean, Brent Burns is still just a, a freak of nature, you know, hasn't missed a game since 2013 um was it's going to be weird not seeing brent burns behind you know uh patrolling the blue line but it was the right move for the franchise right you have so much money tied up in what was brent burns eric carlson and mark edward vlasic you know each of those guys making at least seven million dollars brent burns made it's making eight and then uh eric carlson making eleven and a half million dollars you had to try to free up some money where somewhere and he was the only one of those three guys who actually you could trade or get anything of value for. And I think he's going to, I mean, he had 54 points on a very bad Sharks team last year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with Brent Burns playing on Carolina with a much better uh, team. If he's flirting with 60, potentially 70 points on that team um, for them, I, I think he's he's going to do really well on, on Carolina. So, um, you know, it, it's it's going to be really weird not seeing Brent Burns as actually uh, the, the Sharks open they have two games in uh, in Sweden where they, they play the, the National Predators, but their first actual uh, game at the tank is against Carolina. So Brent Burns will be uh, be there, and I'm sure he'll get a really big. There'll be Brent Burns jerseys everywhere, and you know he was one of the most popular Sharks, especially uh, you know you mentioned like Joe Thornton leaving, Patrick Marleau's gone, you know Pavelski's gone. Like he was kind of the last guy of, of I'd say him and Couture were kind of like the last two guys of there, and. Yeah, it's going to be weird, but it was it was the right move for the franchise. Uh, Kings fans know we've got uh, kind of a two-headed monster situation in net right now. Uh, there's a three-headed monster yes. in San Jose. <laughs> what is going on? You've got Capo Kakinen, Aiden Hill, and James Reimer. Uh, wow, what's going on there? Uh, yeah, they're all uh, under contract. And then you have Aiden Hill, who's uh, kind of hanging in there in the AHL kind of as your break uh, class in case of emergency type of, of, of situation. But 
uh, is Capo Kakinen. He he's going to be given all the opportunity to try to kind of win this job. And then they they traded uh, for him at the deadline last year from Minnesota, and they re-signed him this year. Um, small sample size last year, but he was easily their best goaltender, uh, you know, going down the stretch. Um, and then I think they're going to kind of see what happens between Reimer and Hill. Um, Hill, they traded a second round pick for last off season from the Arizona Coyotes before the uh, expansion draft, but he really up and down. He played, he played okay. Um, then he got hurt, came back, played a couple games, got hurt. And then uh, basically he only played one game after uh, end of January where he came in and shut out the Kings in March. And then we didn't see him again. Um you know, he's definitely younger, but if the Sharks wanted to trade him, they're not going to really get as much. James Reimer, who was, you know, magnificent for the Sharks last year, you know, was was single-handedly carried them to, to several victories that the Sharks probably had no business winning. You know, definitely an older goalie, but I think he could go help a team, um, like a playoff team who could maybe want to kind of solidify their backup situation. So um, I believe the asking price right now for Reimer is a second-rounder which seems a little steep to me, but if they get a second rounder out of, out of Reimers, you know, going into camp, maybe a team, they, they, they don't like their backup situation as much as they would. They thought they did going into it. And I think that's where we'll see a trade is, is during training camp where, you know, a team's not too, too hot on their backup. And then maybe Reimer or Hill uh, gets moved in. So. And one final question for you, just uh, your thoughts on the Pacific division uh, going into this year. Uh, do they just get three teams in is it Calgary, Edmonton, LA in some order for the top three and then Vancouver and Vegas kind of lingering. And then you've got the bottom three in San Jose, Anaheim and Seattle. Do you see it that way or any, or any differently? Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. I think Vegas is, is such a wild card because, you know, you have, they're kind of like the Sharks were in that like 2018 kind of 19 where they're, they're so top heavy and they're so reliant on their stars and if somebody gets hurt, you know, like we saw last year with Mark Stone, if, you know, he gets hurt or Jack Eichel, if he doesn't kind of return all the way to form, you know, and of course, Robin Lehner is out. And that, that's a lot to ask of, of their, their young goalie, who I, I really like. But, you know, again, that, that's a lot to ask for him kind of in his first full, you know, or second season, I guess, would be to, to kind of take the reins there. But um, I think Vegas is going to be kind of in the mix for the wild card. Uh, Central's still going to be pretty good as well. You know, there you have Colorado, of course, and you're going to have Minnesota and St. Louis. I think are going to be kind of playoff teams there as well. But then it's going to be that Dallas, Nashville, Vegas, Vancouver, all kind of fighting for those last two spots. And I think Vancouver, we might kind of be sleeping on them, especially with if you look at how much better they played after Bruce Boudreau got there and kind of righted the ship with them. If mm-hmm. if they can, you know, kind of carry that over the, and get a full season of that. I think Vancouver might be, might be the team that we're kind of sleeping on a little bit here in the Pacific, but um, I expect Seattle to be a lot better. I think the, the ducks are going to be uh, better too, especially with McTavish and, and Zegris. And I, I just, like I said, I think the Sharks are one of the five worst teams in the NHL. I just, I, there just isn't a lot of guys where you're like, okay, this guy's going to make a big jump. And unless like Eklund comes in and, uh, wins the Calder and then you know, uh, Eric Carlson returns to Norris form. Like, there's just there's too much to ask for all these guys. So, well, we'll still look forward to those Kings Sharks matchups, uh, this coming season. Uh, JD, it was great to talk to you for the first time. Awesome insight on the uh, San Jose Sharks. And I know you've got something behind you there on the kitchen table, it looks like a Darth Vader figure or something like that. 
Yes, uh, it is my Darth Vader meditation chamber uh, from mm. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, where yes, so uh, yeah, yeah you can on on Locked On Sharks. I have a uh, rotating cast of Lego figures mm. that make an appearance behind me. So you know, it's very unprofessional. I, I as a man who is uh, holding his <laughs> Luke Skywalker X-wing fighter Funko. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I really don't approve of that Darth Vader thing back there. It's very immature. Of you I will. I thought you know I'm talking kings. <laughs> I need to bring out the evil empire in all of its glory here. You know. <laughs> So that's it's just Rob Blake. That's I replaced ah, Vader nice, with Rob Blake. Nice. So I hope he, he as, whips out the uh, red lightsaber a lot this uh, season. And as takes he continually makes teams pass on good players, so he can get Brent Clark at number eight, and you know just constantly do that. How does he get away with it constantly? <laughs> uh, JD, awesome! I uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for uh, for joining us, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Uh, obviously, you're the host of Locked On Sharks. Anything you'd like to let the uh, listeners viewers know about uh, your channel over there yeah you can of course uh find us on youtube at locked on sharks you can listen wherever you get podcasts apple spotify odyssey uh, i've got a bunch of uh prospect interviews and, and player interviews that i've done all summer long um i had william Eklund on earlier in the summer um i just had an interview with brandon co or uh, actually brandon co will be coming out this week whenever you're listening to that um great interview with him um Jasper Weatherby, a bunch of kind of the, the, these Sharks Barracuda guys. So uh, make sure you guys go check that out. Yeah, thanks again. Best of luck with uh, Locked on Sharks. And I'm sure we'll talk to you later on in the season. Connor Bedard, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, JD. All right, uh, before we say goodbye, I do want to remind you that uh, – Locked on NHL has you covered for all your league-wide NHL talk with a rotating cast of local hosts from the Locked on NHL channel. Breaking down the biggest stories in hockey five days a week. Subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. And uh, as always, we'll close out by letting you know if you like uh, anything that you have uh, listened to or watched here on the YouTube channel or on the podcast, uh, we'd love to get your feedback. The email address is LockedOnEddie at gmail.com, E-D-D-I-E, LockedOnEddie at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we are at LockedOnLAKings. Thank you so much for joining us uh, and watching LockedOnLAKings. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Eddie Garcia, as always, reminding you, go Kings go.